check this out. 1,977 years, 134 days, 16 hours, and 28 minutes ago. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus simply answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The message says, love the Lord your God with all your passion, prayer, and intelligence. You see, our love for God must be sincere, not just by the words we speak, but also by engaging our souls. To truly love God, we must be passionate about Him, inside and out. The only way to follow this command is to make loving God our first priority. That means everything else takes a back seat. But there's more. Jesus also said, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, which also means love others as well as you love yourself. Love the unlovable, love the ones who don't deserve it, and love like you want to be loved. So the lesson is simply this, love God, love others. But the great thing is, if we make loving God our first priority, then loving others comes naturally. You can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, that'll be our scripture for today, and get out your sermon notes from your Bible, and we're going to talk about the great commandment, what it means to follow Jesus. We began this last week in our Activate series, that this is the first step of, of loving God, following Him, being a disciple, that we love God and we love others. It's just that simple. There is no greater commandment, no more important commandment, nothing more heavy than loving God and loving others. And our text for last week was Mark chapter 12. We're just going to review that very quickly before we go to today's message. But it says, One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Love God, love others. That's it. That's the heaviest. That is the most important. And Scott McKnight calls it the Jesus Creed. That's what we do. If we have one creed, one principle to follow, that's it. That we would love God and love others. Mark Batterson calls it the soul of Christianity. It's the heartbeat, it's the essence of what we are as believers, and we love God because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19, very clear, one of the first verses I ever learned. We love him because he first loved us, that God was passionate about you, and he wants you to be passionate about him. As we talked about last week, when we realize how much God loves us, it becomes that much more easy to fall in love with him. And that's what God wants to do. He wants us to see us fall in love with him with all that we are. And then Jesus, after that, we kind of did that last week. And so this week, Jesus gives a second one. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. What's interesting is, is that the religious guy that asked the question didn't ask what the second one was. He just asked for the first one. But Jesus right here says this is the meaning of what it really means to do the first one. He showed us that loving people is really how we show that we're loving God. 1 John 4.20, right after just 1 John 4.19 that we just read, it says, if somebody says, I love God, but hates his Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love the people we can see, how can we love God who we 
cannot see. And here's where the essence of today's message is. This is the crux of what I'm talking about. Jesus is saying that the horizontal is the indicator of the vertical. That how I love people on a horizontal level speaks to how I love God on a vertical level. It's Jesus' way of cutting to the heart to see, do you really love God? Do you really want to follow me? Do you really want to live the kingdom way? Will you love God and will you love others? So let me just get real honest today. And let's answer this question. Why is it so hard to love other people? I asked this to a group of, of people this week, and they didn't know why I was asked. I said, why, why is it so hard to love other people? And the response came almost immediately from one of the guys in the group. I said, why is it so hard to love other people? And this is the response immediately. Because people are stupid. And the rest of the group said, amen. And I was like, Wow. That's sad, but true. But I'm going to substitute the word stupid for the word sinful. It's hard to love other people because people are sinful, and the real problem is, is that you and I are people too. And here's the real bottom line. I don't like loving other people because I'm selfish, and I'm full of pride, and I'm sinful. And that's my default setting is not to go and serve other people. It's to serve myself. And, and so I want to say, Jesus, how about this? Why don't we do it this way? Why don't I take care of myself and everybody else takes care of themselves and then we'll meet you in heaven? How about that, Jesus? That'd be a lot easier. I take care of me, they take care of them, and then, then we'll, you know, that's easy. But you know, when following Christ, he never gives you the easy way out, does he? So the question becomes, who is my neighbor? And that's why we go to Luke chapter 10. And when this question is asked of Jesus, who is my neighbor, it leads to the, probably the most famous parable Jesus tells in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 29. He said, but he wanted to justify himself. This religious guy wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and, he was, and then he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, the two, the next day, uh, took out two denarii, which is about two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law, this religious guy replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. The teacher of the law was getting uncomfortable with Jesus talking about loving his neighbor, and so to justify himself, the Bible says, he says, okay, well, who is my neighbor? Well, he, Jesus breaks into his story. You see the religious guy going, oh, no, not another story. 
But in the story, the man is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho on a road. And we know a couple things from that. He's probably Jewish. He's probably going to or from the temple. And so he's on this road, and there is a priest that passes by. And he passes by on the other side of the road. There's a Levite that passes by, and it passed, he passed by on the other side of the road. These were the people that were connected to God. These were the people that followed God and loved God. These were the people that worked for God, and they passed by on the other side of the road. And that convicts me to the core. Why did they pass by on the other side of the road? There's probably several reasons. One, they could be scared. The sense that maybe the robbers are still there, still waiting, and I just need to keep moving. I just need to keep going. Maybe I pick up my pace a little bit because I don't want to be robbed, so I just, I'm just going to keep going. I'm, I'm scared. The other reason is, is if this man is dead by the side of the road and they go up and they touch him, they will be ceremonially unclean because if you touch a dead body in Old Testament law, you have to go through a purification process. It takes a long time, and so... If they're going to the temple, they can't do their work. The priest can't make sacrifice. The Levite can't work there. And so I can't get defiled by touching this person if he's dead. I'm just going to keep going. The other reason is that in this time period, people thought when bad things happen to you, it's because God was judging you. And so this bad thing happened because God was judging you. Why should I step in? And you could say, well, those are pretty lame excuses. Those are still our excuses today. Why don't we love others and help others? Because sometimes we're scared to death. Sometimes we don't want to get dirty. We don't want to get unclean. We just, we just want to stay away. And, and you know what? They made some poor choices in life, so this is, just, this is just what they get. And so I'm not going to help them. And that is not how God would respond. So a Samaritan walks by. And the Samaritan is someone that the Jews hate. They hate him because they have intermarried with pagans and taken a lot of the rituals and practices of the pagans and, 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 and they wouldn't expect kindness from each other. But the Samaritan walks by and says he had compassion. What do you think Jesus would do if he walked by somebody that was dying on the side of the road? Do you think he'd have compassion? Think that he would stop? When we see, G, when we see others as Jesus sees them, we're going to do a lot better at loving them. And this Samaritan had the heart of God, and look what he does. He gives him medical attention. He uses his own resources. He uses his own animal to carry this, this man. He uses his own money. He does everything out of his own pocket. He's probably going somewhere. He's now going to be late to wherever he's going. It's a great inconvenience. He shows mercy and love to this man. He saw the need, and he responded timely and practically and unselfishly. And that's how we should respond to needs, in that timely manner, in that practical manner, helping that person and unselfishly using whatever we can ourselves. And Jesus tells a story, and the religious guys are the ones that blow it and have excuses, and the Samaritan, the one who is far from God, that's the one that acts the most like God. And I think Jesus is teaching us something here, and listen to me, and this is what is challenging me to my core is that sometimes unbelievers can act more Christ-like than believers. And that should never be. Sometimes people who are far from God can actually act more like God when they act loving to their neighbor. And that should never be. Because we have Jesus living inside of us. We should love the people that are around us that God has placed in our life 
and love them like Jesus loved them. We don't need to pray about it. We just need to do it. We don't need to pray about loving our neighbor or giving generous or sacrificially to people who are in need. We don't need to pray about blessing someone when it's in our realm of possibility to do so. We don't need to pray about turning the other cheek or going the extra mile. We don't need to pray about it because Jesus has already commanded it. He says, just do it. Don't hesitate. And when we see people like God sees them, then we want to do it for them. We will love them better. And in case you're wondering and thinking maybe God doesn't love certain people, guess what? He does. For God so loved the world. He doesn't want anyone to die. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everybody to come to knowledge of him. And so he loves everybody. And so loving other people is the call on your life to love others. And when you do it that way, you say that I'm loving God as well. It is the calling of this church to love others, and that's why on the banners on the back wall or the stained glass up here that maybe you can't see or the doors you walk in, we are a worshiping, teaching, caring, and sharing church. That's our calling. It's not clever mission that rhymes. It's the book of Acts. That's what the church did, and we know because when we come together, we worship the Lord, don't we? We have awesome times of worship. We dive into his word every time we get together. We're a teaching church, and and we're a caring church as we reach out to our community this week. And we're a sharing church as we share our, our resources with the entire world as we see the gospel preached through missions. And, and so that's what we do. And I look at that back wall and that caring banner. It's like, I want us to be a caring church. I want us to be a caring people because that is our calling. And guess what? It won't be easy. It could be a hard road. It, it, it will cost us something. But we're called to do the things that aren't easy. I love to hike. I, I took it up a couple years ago when a friend asked me when I was uh, preaching out on the West Coast if I wanted to go hiking. And I said, yeah, I walk all the time because I like to walk. And he goes, let's go hiking. And he got me a pair of shoes. And we, we took off. And what he didn't tell me is that we were going to hike a mountain. And um, that's a bad first thing to hike. Because I remember going up and he, he's talking. And we wanted to talk theology and everything. We were walking up the mountain. I'm like, dude, you've got to stop talking to me because I am about to die. I can't even breathe. And he's just like, just, that's when you want to tell somebody, just shut up, please, because I'm, I'm not doing good here. But uh, I, I, I fell in love with hiking. And so I have Thursdays off, and so I, I, I try to find different trails to go to. And I found a trail this past Thursday that took it to, in, in kind of in a forested area, and it's about a two and a half mile circular path. There's a picture of it on the screen here, and it's a wide path. And, and, um, and so I pull in, and I look at the map and everything. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do that. And I just have my hiking shoes, and I didn't even bring water. It's like, it's only a couple miles, and I'll just, you know, I'll do that. And I looked at the map, and I saw some other trails and stuff. And I'm like, no, I'll just do this one. And I'm walking this path, and it's pretty wide, and it's pretty boring. It's just going to be one big circle. And I'm thinking, you know, I'd really like to go over here. I saw this point on the map I'd really like to get to. So I think I'm going to I kind of know the direction that it is, and so if I see a trail going off that way, that's where I'm going to go. And so I'm, I'm kind of watching, and I see a little narrow trail, and I'm like, this is it. This is the one. And so I, so I start going, and going, and going, and the trail gets narrower, and narrower, and then I don't think I'm on a trail anymore, and I'm lost, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm getting scared. I'm checking to see if my cell phone still works. I'm texting Leslie. 
I don't know where I'm at. I'm in the woods. Do you think there are any bears? You know, um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at the GPS on my phone, and it just has roads that aren't anywhere near where I'm at, and I'm like, oh, no. And so I'm looking for footprints. I'm looking for animals. I'm like, okay, I got to get to where I'm And so I keep going, and I keep looking, I keep going. And I knew there was this river, so I'm trying to follow the river, but the river's like overflowing, and it's crazy. I'm, by this time, I'm covered in mud. I'm, I'm just, and I'm just, and, and I'm like, oh. And, I, and you know what? I get to where I wanted to go. And I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. And so it's time to head back, and, I'm, and I see the wide path. And I remember the narrow one. And I said, what do I want to do? I'm like, I don't want to take that wide path. I'm going to go back. And so I head back on the narrow path. And about halfway through, I'm like, what was I thinking? Now I'm really lost. If I thought I was lost coming, now I'm definitely lost going because I'm just trying to find my way back. And, and, and all of a sudden, and we're talking three hours later, I see my silver car through the trees. And I'm like, Yes. And I, am, I have been frustrated for three hours. I am, I am burning up because I didn't gauge the temperature really well, so I'm sweating. I'm tired. I was supposed to meet Leslie for lunch, so now I'm starving. I didn't bring any water with me. I'm covered in mud. And when I got to my car, I'm like, yes. I, I, was like, I have never felt more like a man in my life. I was, ex- I was like, man, I, this is, I love hiking. This is the best thing. You know, I just, yeah, you know, and and, uh, because I made it. I made it. Let me ask you this. Do you ever think, if I go back there, that I'm going to be satisfied walking the wide path? No. That doesn't excite me anymore. I want to take the narrow one. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Just taking care of yourself, and say, I'll take care of me, you take care of you, that's the easy way. Let me tell you, that will be the most unsatisfying journey you will ever take in your life. The other will be much more difficult. It will cost you something. You will get frustrated. But at the end of that trip, you will be so rewarded. Because there is a reward for those who walk the narrow way. And you, when you walk the narrow way, you will never be satisfied by the wide path ever again. Jesus said, this is my call on your life, to love others. I work for a missions organization called Mission Possible. I serve on their board, and I do whatever I can for them, and I try to raise money. And if you've been at Christian Life for any amount of time, you know my heart for Mission Possible, and you know Mission Possible. And we're actually taking a trip in September to Russia. I'm very excited about it. We do have a couple spots open if anybody would like to go with us, but we're pretty full. But we're going to go, and um, we're going to minister to street children. It's going to be, it's going to be a wonderful time. Uh, but uh, Addie is actually going to be here, uh, Ambassador to Mission Possible, in June, uh, singing and ministering in our service. We're really looking forward to having Addie with us. But I love Mission Possible. And the reason I love Mission Possible is not only do they 
train pastors and plant churches, but their main core is to rescue street children, children that have been abandoned on the street in former communist countries. And I can get behind that with no trouble. And, and so that's their mission. And, and, um, and I, so just different things. I've been interviewed in magazines, radios, different things about Mission Possible. And one time an interviewer asked me, why are you so passionate about kids you've never met and will never see? And I thought about it just for a second, and then, then I answered this way. Is that I can't imagine ever, at any age, let alone as a baby or a toddler or a small child, abandoning my children. Just taking them to a bus station or somewhere and just leaving them and I walk away. I can never imagine doing that. I, I can't imagine how bad your life has to be, how deep you have to be in whether it be addictions or mental illness or that how some way, some way, my, my life gets so bad that I just leave my kids somewhere because I just can't handle it anymore and I just walk away and I leave. I can't imagine what would have to happen in my life to get to that point. But if it ever did, my prayer would be that someone would come along and love my kid and care for him and take them as their very own. And that's the heart of the Christian message. Is to love others as you love yourself. Those aren't just children overseas. They're my children. They're your children. The people in your life are there for a reason. It's not, hey, I take care of me, you take care of you. No, it's that we love others. See, the religious guy, he had to ask, who's my neighbor? Because he felt guilty. He was trying to justify himself. Who's my neighbor? When he should have asked, what do I do to be a good neighbor? What do I have to do to be a good neighbor, Jesus? If that's what you're calling me to be, what do I have to do? Not who is my neighbor, but that I love my neighbor. God, teach me to love him. Teach me to see him as you see him. And remember that how we love others horizontally is in direct proportion to how we love God vertically. And so how I love my family and my friends and my neighbors and how I love my enemies tells me how much I truly love God. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? I want us to have a time of prayer and asking God, how can I be a good neighbor? How can I love others? I know, I know that you love God. You wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning if you didn't love God. You, I know that your heart is for Him and, and that's why you worship Him and you come, but that second part is a lot more difficult that loving others. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to cost you. It could be frustrating. But it will be the most satisfying thing you've ever done because that is what God has called you to do. And so in a quiet moment of reflection, I'm just going to have you pray and say, Holy Spirit, who am I called to love? Who am I called to serve? Who am I called to go to and love them like you love them? 
pray that God would make you a, a good neighbor, that you would see others as God sees them. Maybe even today, a face or a name will pop into your mind by the power of the Holy Spirit that you're called to love that person. And you may say, but they're my enemy or, or they're far from God. Or what? You know what? God so loved the world. He loved everyone. And maybe your love is the love that brings them to heaven. Holy Spirit, speak to us now as we wait on you. Lord, we love you and we want to be the men and women of God that you called us to be. So speak to us now.
I believe that God has spoken to your heart this morning. And our first step in following Him is to love Him and to love others. Love God, love others. It's just that simple. If you've never began a, a journey with Jesus, if you've never accepted what He did on the cross as He died for your sins, I, I invite you to just invite Him into your heart and life today, maybe for the first time. And uh, if you want to do that, we have just a packet up here. It's got a Bible and a prayer and some other things for you there. And um, it's just free. Just go ahead and grab it and, and take that with you and begin that journey. And, and we're just going to be talking about what it means to follow God. So keep coming back and, and uh, we'll just keep taking those steps on the journey. But I believe that God has uh, done something great in our hearts and our lives this morning. And I just, uh, I just appreciate you being sensitive to the Spirit and loving God and, and loving others. And right now, we have a very practical way of doing that. We do this each communion weekend, the first weekend of every month, as we take up an offering for those that are in need. Now, this is an extra and above and beyond kind of offering. I know that you probably gave your tithes and offerings already, and, and so I don't want you to feel any obligation to give. This is just above and beyond for people that God has blessed, and you just have something that you can give to others, and, and so I encourage you to do that. Sometimes it's sacrificial, and, and, and some, it's going to cost us. It's not easy. But I want to tell you that every cent of this offering goes to help people in need. And when you give, it's important. In fact, it, it, this, is, this is not like trying to, to, to overblow it, but what, what, what you give really does matter to people's lives. For some, it's the difference of, of having a place to live or being homeless as we help them. It, sometimes it's that serious and we get to help and we get to share the love of God and because God loves everybody. He takes care of everybody. It's wonderful when he can use us to do that, isn't it? And so your offering today goes to those that are in need. So I'm going to invite the men and women to come down at this time. Again, but don't feel any obligation because maybe you're in need right now and you can't give. I understand. That's no, no problem. This is just for people who can't. And, um, and we just give with cheerful hearts today. God, we thank you for this opportunity to very practically and timely and selflessly respond to the message. And so, Lord, we give at this time uh, for you to meet the needs of others, God, that are, that are in desperate situations, that, that could lose their home. That could just, we just believe, God, that, that you will know every need that's coming this month, and God, that you're going to provide for every need. And, and thank you, God, for using us. It's a privilege, Lord, to serve you, to walk that narrow way. And so we do that with grateful hearts this morning as we give. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says in, in 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. And we're doing that as we give now, but there's something that you can do that won't cost you a dime, and that's to volunteer for our, our kids' pantry giveaway as we minister to uh, so many. And just as we're receiving the offering, just turn your